Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So the Cowboys are running it back. Tonight, we will talk about Mike McCarthy. We'll talk about Dak Prescott, even some Trey Lance with Cowboys reporter Joseph Hoyt. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get it started. Here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me if you enjoy the show. Tonight, we've got a guest. It's Cowboys reporter Joe Hoyt, Joseph, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for taking the time to do this, and let's talk some Cowboys football. How are you, man? I'm good, Mauricio. I feel like there's something that we should talk about. I feel like news has happened in the Cowboys world, you know, just a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, man, and even even like uh, a few days ago, I reached out to you, and I said, you know what? Maybe the Cowboys over the weekend, they're going to make a decision on Mike McCarthy, and we'll have something to talk about next week. The day after that, they announced that McCarthy is, t- is coming back. So we had uh, a lot of days to think about it and to have the, the press conference listen to what Mike McCarthy had to say. Uh, big decision for Dallas, obviously, to run it back with Mike McCarthy. Obviously, it was a complicated decision taking into account the fact that, yes, he had won 12 games in back-to-back-to-back seasons. So it wasn't uh, like it was an any easy call uh, to get the, the, the conversation started. What was your reaction to the news? If that was, is that something that you were expecting fully or were you actually intrigued about where the Cowboys were going to go with it? Yeah, I think throughout the process, one thing I kept trying to do was place myself in the shoes of Jerry Jones, um, you know, obviously without the business and financial success. But I tried to think if I was in this position, what would I do? What, what kind of course of action? And the thing I kept coming back to, there was not an easy road in this. Um, either you run it back with McCarthy and you hope that there's enough optimism, um, you know, that there could be progress, that you could get over the threshold next year. But uh, in the same token, you've 12 wins, three straight seasons, and a one and three playoff record doesn't really instill a lot of confidence that this is a, a, a potential, you know, launching pad towards the next point. And then, you know, you got to consider, hey, you got Bill Belichick out there, Mike Vrabel, Jim Harbaugh. It's an elite group of head coaching free agents. But there's still risk in bringing something and one else in. You know, and I know Bill Belichick, obviously six-time Super Bowl winner, but what had he done without Tom Brady? You ask yourself that. Mike Rabel, off that Bill Belichick tree, very successful, but hadn't gone really deep into the postseason. And Jim Harbaugh, even though he had had a lot of success in San Francisco and he's coming off a national championship with Michigan, there's still question marks there. So the thing I kept running into is what is the easiest road here? What is the, the path of least resistance? And I kind of kept coming to the conclusion there was none. And I, I think ultimately it was kind of a safe move to just run it back. And, and I, I agree with you in the sense that when we were talking about like potentially moving on from Mike McCarthy, personally, you know, we're not making the decision. You don't feel the risk necessarily. So I'm thinking, and many people are thinking, 
Oh, Bobby Slowick from the Houston Texans. He's make he's doing some special stuff with uh, a bunch of nobodies, right? Like CJ Stroud, all of my respect, but I, I think that he's really elevated the talents of guys like Nico Collins at a wide receiver, guys like even a former Cowboy Noah Brown at wide receiver and all that. And you start maybe fantasizing a little bit about those young hotshots that are on the rise, but then you sober yourself a little bit and you're like, okay, if the Cowboys do move on from Mike McCarthy, they're not going to look at somebody like him. They're going to look at the guys that you just mentioned, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, and all that. So uh, it did start becoming uh, quite clear that, hey, Mike McCarthy might be back for 2024. Now that that page has been turned and, you know, they have decided to actually run it back, one of the things that has stood out in that process is the player's reaction. You know, right after the game, Dak Prescott goes out there and he says, add me to the list, right? Uh, Jordan Lewis says the day after, uh, don't forget about those seasons where we struggled to get to 500. Jake Ferguson tweets out that many men clip with, you know, the chain and Mike McCarthy celebrating and all that. You've been in the building. You've been on the locker rooms. Is that storyline overblown or is it exactly fair? The, the idea that Cowboys players wanted Mike McCarthy back badly. How would you describe it? with you being in the locker room? No, that's that's a great question, Mauricio, because I think as journalists, as media people, as you know, people in the sphere, we're kind of always taught to be a little bit cynical, right? You know, you never want to just take things for what they are because, you know, hey, one thing that someone might say might be a little bit different what they're actually thinking. So I think kind of going in with that cynical nature, you kind of had that in your mind throughout the season. But listening to the players of late, I thought it was very telling that there was definitely a culture that Mike McCarthy had formed that made them want to play for him ultimately. I think the biggest, and you pointed to it, I think the biggest example of it ultimately was Dak Prescott. I mean, you got to remember when he said that quote, the question was, hey, your coach is, there's some skepticism in, about, you know, his job status. That's And what are your thoughts? Very open-ended. He could have gone a lot of different ways. He could have stopped short, you know, basically saying, hey, uh, he's great. Uh, I love him. And he could have stopped there. No, he, he handcuffed himself to him. He said, hey, if he's on the chopping plot, put me there too. And I thought that that was, you know, it's one of those things sometimes you kind of hear as reporters, you hear people talk and you almost like, you know, turn your ears up or you perk your head. You're like, oh, man, did he actually just say that? And that was one of those examples. And he reiterated it over and over again. I think that is the most telling example of the fact that the players did want him back. And ultimately, I think culture is so you know important when it comes to building a program, you know, to having a franchise. And I think if you can have that, that's really good. And I think. You know, obviously, though, there, it begs the question, why did the team play as poorly as they did against the Packers? Why are they one and three in the postseason? So, yes, you have culture. And I think that's very, very important. And it might have been the thing that put Jerry Jones over the edge, ultimately. And I think it's real. But the question is, what else is going on? And, and how do you explain those one and three postseason the record, which Mike kind of didn't necessarily answer in his postgame or um, postseason press conference either. And it was a very interesting moment where he just uh, really threw his hands up in the air and said, I don't know, like that was his answer. And, you know, it was a very shocking defeat. And I get it. Uh, I don't think we're also going to get an answer where we're going to be happy with it. Right. Like if, if they ask Mike McCarthy about it, it's not like he's going to go into detail about like a very specific thing that really rattled them. So I think ultimately you get it. But but I also understand like Cowboys Nation being frustrated at. Really, is that that's the answer, you know, because he even said, like, I remember McCarthy saying something along the lines of uh, it's still fresh. Right. He said it's still raw, something like that. And it's like, 
we know. That's why we're asking, right? Because we want some clarity and you're not giving us any. So uh, that had to be also one of those moments that he mentioned that your head perks up a little bit, isn't it? Wasn't it? Oh, 100%. That was a big head tilt uh, moment for sure. And so was the kind of, um, hey, we have a championship program. We just haven't proved it yet. Because ultimately in this league, it is about proving uh, on the field that you are a championship program. So interesting. Yeah. it was an interesting kind of, I get the rawness of it, Mauricio. I really do. Um, but at that point, it also been a few days, um, you know, and I'm again, to your point, you, I, it's Fort Knox, NFL locker rooms are Fort Knox when it comes to information. Um, but it would have been nice to get a little bit more of an explanation aside from, hey, it was a bad day to have a bad day. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I, I remember RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Voice. He put out a tweet that said, uh, hang the NFC East banner up, like with the championship come and like, like the Indianapolis Colts, right? So yeah, that was definitely a moment. Uh, by the way, welcome everyone who is joining just now into the stream. We're talking to Joseph Hoyt from Texas Lone Star Live. You must follow him on Twitter, man. Doing great stuff on uh, over on Texas Lone Star with his articles, great writing and great Cowboys reporting. So we're happy to be talking to him. One of the things as, as we look for, uh, forward into the full offseason process is they're running it back with Mike McCarthy. We'll talk about Dak Prescott in a minute here, uh, but they are also likely going to run it back with Dak himself. Uh, if Dan Quinn does not get a head coaching job, he's likely coming back as well. And at one point, Cowboys fans are understandably so wondering then what's next, right? What exactly is going to change? And I recently uh, talked about this here on the show and it's frustrating to come to the conclusion that you're just hoping for these same characters to be better. Instead of getting a recast, you're just hoping for the same characters to be better, for Mike McCarthy to maybe get to January and not revert back to uh, static offense and all that, or Dak Prescott not to be jittery in a postseason performance and all that. So as we enter this offseason, from 1 to 10, how confident would you be on the Cowboys maybe being more aggressive in the sense of, team building right because if something is if something is going to change then that would probably have to be it right uh make a big move in free agency uh i'm not going to say trade up in the nfl draft because maybe that's a whole other animal but how confident would you be uh, in that sense entering the offseason yeah i think it's a good question and i think in order to answer it before i give you a number i think you kind of got to go back a little bit and then say hey yeah. before they make a big move what moves do they have to make right so Ultimately, they have 14 free agents, including some pretty important pieces. You got Ty Tyron Smith at left tackle, Tyler Biotish. You got to make, you know, um, a Dorrance Armstrong decision who, you know, maybe not the biggest name, but that, that's, a you know, an edge rusher, a key part there. Obviously, you have two running backs, one a restricted free agent in Rico Daddle and the Tony Pollard situation. You know, hey, was this year kind of just a building up to steam after getting injured or is he kind of a running back that, you know, maybe the ceiling isn't as high as you once thought, you know, before the injury? Um, so in order to kind of give you confidence about what big moves they might make, I would say in order, I mean, they have to make big moves. So I'd kind of give it a higher number because they have a lot of moves they have to address in house first. Um, and, you know, to your point, Hey, if you, if you bring back, say you bring back Tony Paul or Tyler Biotish, say you do a one-year deal, you know, with Tyler, uh, Tyron Smith, that kind of has some gameplay incentives to it. You're running it back with a team that has won 12 games in a row and has had quick playoff exits. You know, I, heard, I saw a lot of people kind of talking during the McCarthy, will he or will he not go kind of question of, hey, he's building something. Don't, you know, don't cut it short, right? You know, let this thing run its course. And the thing I kind of kept asking myself is, 
is he is there progress here or is this who they are right is is this a foundation or is this the apartment building now that's been up that might have a couple of holes in it that kind of scare you as someone who's you know looking to move in so um to going back to the original question i i wouldn't anticipate some aggressive moves because ultimately they have to yeah man and and i agree with you with that list of free agents it's a tough one it's a tough one where Obviously, like Tyron Smith is a question mark because of his health stuff and his future and his age and all that. I get that part. And then Stephon Gilmore, it might be more of a question mark of money, right? Are the Cowboys going to spend the money to keep him? Because he played great. Stephon Gilmore, man, he played great. Uh, you would want him back, but he might be looking for that one-year deal, which is more expensive than what the Cowboys have in mind. So I also understand that. And then there's other names which are a little bit more complicated, I believe. Like Tyler Viadish is one that I wonder a lot. He's one that keeps me up at night because I look at it and I'm like, I need a center. I, I like period. I need a center and I don't want to go into the NFL draft without knowing who will be my center. But I also kind of want a better one, Joe. <laughs> I like I, I also kind of somebody that's uh, a little bit more of a menace in the run game and maybe not somebody that I'm going to be concerned about in certain game situations in pass pro as well. And then there's Jordan Lewis, for example, who I think balled out, uh, especially in the second half of the season. And I think Cowboys Nation was really um, able to see what he can do in the run game as well in the second half of the season and all that. But he's also one that you don't know exactly what the Cowboys are thinking so this goes well beyond like those top three names, right? With Tyron and Gilmore and Pollard, as you said. I'm very intrigued about like the the entire free agency class. It's a very complicated one. Oh, no doubt. And I think, um, you know, Gilmore might be the most intriguing one because to your point, it might just simply come down to money. But that's also maybe a guy that you kind of go out of your way to make sure you keep from a just culture standpoint, right? And, and it's funny because it might end up ultimately being Stephon Gilmore or Jordan Lewis because you got Deron Bland. Um, who has the flexibility to go inside and outside. Um, and then, if you know, if you say you lose Jordan, you put him maybe you go Duran on the inside with Trayvon and Stefan on the outside. Long story short, they got some options there. And I think that they're going to be going through a lot of different scenarios in order to figure out how they handle these free agents and kind of where they go via trade. You know, they've proven they've got some ability to make trades for some veterans with playmaking ability. So a lot of, a lot of offseason storylines that we'll monitor for sure. And then I've got the list here. And then you can also get into like Neville Gallimore. You can get into Jonathan Hankins, who obviously you want back. And 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 he recently said on that video, 21-minute long video, that he wants to be back as well. Uh, and then I, I think those are like the really interesting names. Uh, Dante Fowler Jr., you could make a case for him being interesting, of course. Jaron Kears is another one that really catches your attention because it's like, yeah, Kears has worked in this defense. But he, he also falls in that uh, Tyler Viadish category, in my opinion, where I could also want an upgrade. And I do have DeMarvin Overshone coming back next year, who could be a little bit of that. I've also got Marquise Bell going into another year of playing like that hybrid role. Uh, but it's going to be uh, interesting to see how they do all of this. In your opinion, man, as, as we also get into this space of talking about running it back, it sounds like the entire coaching staff is safe. I... I I'm not sure we can all we can ever say that about an NFL staff, right? Because changes can happen at any moment. But I'm not sure if we're going to see changes at the offensive line coaching position or the uh, you know running back coaching position. Would you agree with that? Because I, I think it's going to stay intact. Yeah, I think I think my my guess would be yes. I think we do have to figure out the future of Dan Quinn first because I think 
if Dan Quinn leaves, then you have to hire a new DC. And of course, and we'll talk more about this later, but you know, you got Joe Wittenhouse, you got Al Harris. These are guys that could take over and you'll probably keep a similar system. But what if you do want some outside, you know, influence there, right? What if you say, Hey, if Dan's gone, maybe we kind of just shift things a little bit. Maybe we do bring in some other voices that also have other people they want to hire. And so I think once that first domino falls, the will he or will he not in Dan Quinn, then I think you might see some stuff on defense. I, I think if we were to, if there were going to be changes on the offensive side of the ball, I think we would have found out by now. And of course, you know, yeah. there's still other teams building their coaching staffs, you know, Hey, Brian Callahan in Tennessee may be like, Hey, you know, I, I, I need Brian shot. Or, you know, I mean, I need, you know, Mike Solar. I need someone like that. Right. Or I need Robert Prince and I need him to be my passing game coordinator. So there's still obviously some things to do. Um, but I think, you know, there's, we need to figure out that Dan Quinn domino coming up soon. Yeah. And actually we can move it up. We, we can move it up and, and start talking about it. Cause man, today, big news, Brian Callahan signs with the Tennessee Titans or is trending towards signing with the Tennessee Titans as head coach. I thought the Titans were like one of the big two jobs that Dan Quinn could decide to sign with. Like I was thinking Dan Quinn is going to end up either in Tennessee or Seattle. Like those were my two big teams for Dan Quinn. Uh, both made sense for him. Uh, they ended up going for Brian Callahan, who, by the way, Joe, you know very well. You know very well uh, Brian Callahan because he coached you. Yeah, he, he was my offensive coordinator when I was a freshman in high school, and I'll never forget it, Mauricio. We got, you know, he was our freshman OC. He got bumped up to be varsity OC. We were thrilled. We loved him. He was super smart. He was just out of UCLA. And then one day they brought us all in the locker room, and they said, hey, got an announcement. Uh, he's going to go be a, a quality control coach for the Denver Broncos instead. And we're just like, Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Go, go. <laughs> have fun, Brian. And he's the son of former NFL head coach, Bill Callahan. So obviously yeah. that makes sense there, but I mean, one of those kind of weird things and I'm thrilled, I'm thrilled to watch him. He's a, he's a great dude. Oh, hopefully, hopefully he does great uh, with, uh, with the Tennessee Titans. Of course, he's worked with a lot of QBs too. Like uh, that, that resume that Adam Chapter just tweeted out with the QBs he's worked with. That's like one of the big reasons probably why they ended up uh, going to him. And uh, I know it's not a Tennessee Titans show, right? But I do remember that year where the Bengals were just not figuring out against too high defenses and they figured it out on the fly. That was definitely huge for them. So uh, sounds like a coach that is going to be able to adjust and do all that. Now, in terms of Dan Quinn, it's really complicated to know if he will leave or not. It's really complicated to figure out how Cowboys Nation feels about it because some fans want him out. Some fans want him back and all that. Uh, but as you said, it also makes like the succession part of it, if he does go to be a head coach elsewhere, complicated. Because immediately you think of Joe Witt. You think of Al Harris as candidates to step up into that defensive coordinator role. But what if Dan Quinn takes it takes them with him, right? And that's a whole other like a story that you need to get through. So in your view, what would be the likeliest outcome if Dan Quinn does end up leaving for a head coaching job for Dallas? Yeah, no, it's a really good question because to your point, I think that, I mean, you got to remember that Joe Witt followed him last time, you know, from Atlanta to, to Dallas. I mean, he, I mean, he's followed him. So, I mean, it's like, hey, why don't you just follow him be the DC in the new place? You know, why would you stay here? So I think it's, and I think one thing with Dan Quinn we kind of have to remember right now is, as we all know, uh, that last game was not the best capper on the resume, right? And that's kind of 
it does leave a little bit of a bitter taste. It shouldn't be defining. And I think that's something for Cowboys fans to remember if he does return. Hey, I mean, there were some there were some points, you know, hey, running nickel and dime against, you know, two tight end sets. Maybe let's not do that next year. Or, hey, maybe let's identify the need for a linebacker at the trade deadline. And you go out and trade for someone rather than just, you know, having Marquise Bell, who I think, to be honest, could slide in very well to a J. Ron Curse role as yep. a more safety kind of in the box kind of guy. That's an aside. Um, anyways, but back to the original question. I don't think it's a guarantee that Dan Quinn doesn't get a head coaching job, right? I think there's a lot of interest. He's obviously had a lot of success as a head coach, but it's kind of funny when you watch, hey, the Chargers interviewed Dan Quinn, and then you realize, oh, wait, he's one of 15 interviews, and I know he's got a couple second interviews coming up, right? But there's a lot of coaches on the market right now. Um, Seattle and Washington, I think, do make a lot of sense for Dan Quinn. Um, but would Washington want to run it back with another veteran defensive guy when they just had Ron Rivera? And Seattle, you know, I think coming from Pete Carroll, you know, maybe they're like, hey, let's get some offensive, young offensive guy. Let's go get Bobby Slowick to to kind of lead a rejuvenated offense, kind of work with Geno Smith and see where that goes. So long story short, if Dan Quinn does leave, then you got to have some options. I think Joe Witt would make a lot of sense. I think you may have to promote Al Harris eventually anyways to keep him because that is a guy that's getting a lot of hype, you know, over the last couple of years based on how Trayvon Diggs and the development of Deron Bland has been. Um, so I, I think those would make a lot of sense. I think a guy like Wink Martindale, um, could be very Ooh. intriguing. Um, you know, but that's obviously, there's some other things to figure out there. Um, and that's another big personality coming into the building. So, uh, there's some other guys in the market, obviously, but I think one thing to keep in mind, Mauricio, is that we've had other defensive coordinators. The Falcons former defensive coordinator was hired today somewhere else. We have other movement in other defensive coordinator jobs. So the longer we wait for Dan Quinn, the longer or the quicker some of these candidates, that pool starts to shrink a little bit. I agree. Uh, that's that's definitely one of those big things with the Dan Quinn situation. Like you want him to reach that decision fast for better or worse, uh, because you want to get started on working for the 2024 season or you want to find that uh, defensive coordinator out there. I agree with you. Uh, Wink Martindale, man, I, I I would be intrigued about that one just because Wink Martindale is a fun coach. Like he's just going to let it rip. He's just going to play man coverage, blitz a whole lot. Uh, so honestly, it wouldn't be exactly like it would be a change. I'm not saying it wouldn't be, but but it would be kind of like that same aggressive uh, type defensive coordinator that is going to call some plays with his gut instead of like, you know, uh, being super rigid with his rules he's just gonna go crazy in certain game situations so i would like that for sure uh justin d says does al harris and this is a good question which is why i'm bringing it up uh shout out to justin he says does al harris even want to be a defensive coordinator that's an interesting question uh, do you have any insight on that joe at all uh, my inclination is that eventually yeah um, but also this seems like a guy that is very content in his role currently. I think that, uh, you know, one thing, if you talk to anyone about Al Harris, it's, Hey, this guy was a former corner, former quarterback. So he knows exactly how to get in the minds of these guys. And I think sometimes those are the best positional coaches, the ones that just really know how to ingrain themselves to, to his point, um, to the commenter's point. So I, I, you know, Hey, sometimes why mess up a good thing if you're good at it. Right. So, yep. um, but I think also everyone has kind of aspirations to take those next steps. Yeah, I agree. Let's move on from coaching a little bit here and let's get into the big one, which I believe is Dak Prescott's uh, future, right? A lot has been made about it. I think that everyone is on the same page in terms of acknowledging that, hey, he's likely going to get extended this offseason. Ian Rappaport from NFL Network is already has already 
uh, reported that both sides are still on track to reach that expected extension. Uh, obviously, $60 million cap hit for the 2024 season. That needs to be addressed. And the sure way to do it is through an extension. But then there's also like this conversation about letting it ride, right? If you're going to go into a contract here with Mike McCarthy, also do it with Dak Prescott. I'm not sure um, I'm on the side where I believe that is even a, a realistic scenario for the Cowboys, but I was intrigued by this tweet from David Hellman, which was in response to a Jason Fitzgerald article for Over the Cap, where he was basically laying out every scenario. And David Hellman tweeted out, not a single path forward looks appealing for Dallas, but of the options available, I would say you either push every chip to the middle and get borderline reckless with it, or you start looking for an exit strategy right now in 2024. No more half measures. Joe, is there anything in you that would intrigue you about Dallas potentially making such a crazy or unexpected decision? Would you like to see that at all? I mean, you know, the objective reporter in me would love a crazy storyline because that's, <laughs> that's content for days, right, Mauricio? But yeah. um, I, I, if we're talking, if we're talking intelligent, I don't think that would be the right way to go because I think one thing that kind of gets lost in the Dak Prescott conversation, and to your point that you mentioned earlier, he's likely getting extended because that number needs to come down. You could take twenty-four million dollars off the cap hit if you extend him. He's got the voidable years. It makes sense, right? This this is what they actually set the contract up to ultimately do. But if you want to, you know, if you want to get crazy with it, if you're not 100% positive that he is the guy moving forward, this is where the danger comes in. He, you cannot franchise or transition tag him next year. That's not not allowed uh, according to his contract, which is a kind of a cool little uh, provision that Todd France threw in there. Um, if he is a free, if he hits the open market. I mean, how many teams are going to give him $60 million, you know, straight up? I, I think there's significant. I think, you know, I mean, these are teams that need quarterbacks now, but I think Atlanta wouldn't do what they, you know, anything they could to get a quarterback like Dak Prescott in that building. Like, um, you know, there's some other teams, maybe the Titans were talking about Brian Callahan. Well, you know, it's long story short, Dak Prescott has proven to be, you know, in, among that tier. The only thing he hasn't proven is success in the postseason. And that two and five record obviously is is the thing that keeps you up at night. And I think, though, if you kind of hear Dak talk, there's almost enough reason when you hear him talk to believe that this will eventually change. Uh, even though if you kind of listen to him after uh, that last game, people were asking, hey, why are you so what's what, what's missing between the regular season success and the postseason success? And he would pause and say, hey, I don't know. I got to figure it out, um, which was the most optimistic thing for Cowboys fans to hear. Probably um, long question. It's short. Uh, long answer short. Uh, he's probably getting extended, but it would be kind of crazy to see such a move like that. Yeah, and I agree with you. Last night I had a show where I laid out three things to know about Dak Prescott's future in Dallas, and I did, number one, it's getting done. The extension is getting done. I really think it's not really a, uh, that big of a question. I think when you look at the, the reality of the quarterback market in the NFL, you figure out Dak's their best shot right at this point. And then you also think about, well, if we're talking about the Cowboys not being super aggressive with their coaching decisions, what makes us think that they're going to be with their quarterback decision? And then there's also like, you know, the contract stuff and all that. Then the number two thing that I mentioned last night was it's going to be 
top of the market. Uh, it, it's gonna, he's likely gonna become the highest paid QB after a second team all pro season and a season where he will likely be the runner up MVP to Lamar Jackson. And then the number three thing, and this is where I believe it gets interesting and a little bit different, is that it's not gonna set up Dallas the same way that, and you just said it too, the same way that the first deal set them up to do the second deal. You know what I mean? So I think that even with a contract extension, we might start seeing the Cowboys be like, let's throw the dart a little bit more often at QBs in the NFL draft and maybe uh, get us into a position where next time that Dak is going to hit free agency, where he will likely be 35 years old by then, uh, they're in a position to maybe have an exit plan. And that intrigues me because that really is a different scenario in which we are at right now. Uh, do you think that is something that's going to be a conversation when that extension gets done? Yeah, I think and you brought up a great point. Um, I think that we kind of go back to David's idea, right? <laughs> Eventually, there has to be an exit strategy. You know, the last thing you ever want to get do is, or you ever want to happen to you is to get caught flat foot and say, oh, how do we get out of this? How do we find that quarterback of the future? I mean, I think you just saw a great example in the team you just lost to. Hey, let's draft that first round quarterback, let him sit for two years, and then he'll replace a Hall of Famer. That worked the first two times. Let's just do it again. Yeah. Um, it was kind of crazy. I was doing the math and it's like, they're going to have three quarterbacks in the span between before I was even born in 1993 to when I'm going to be probably 40 years old, which is just a wild yeah. thing to think about three quarterbacks in that time, um, you know, at least 40. Um, so anyways, um, Cowboys can take a page out of that book, right? To your point, sign him, give him the money, make him the highest paid quarterback in, you know, NFL history, and then kind of start identifying an exit plan. And I know Trey Lance is on the roster too. And it's kind of ironic being that he was once the escape exit plan for another team. Um, that now stumbled into the last pick in the draft that's now becoming their kind of franchise quarterback too. So yep. there's a lot of ways to do it. I think to your point though, instead of setting up another time to kick the can down the road with this next deal, if you're going to keep Dak for the future, it's got to be with the idea that eventually you're going to move on from him. And it's a great opportunity to learn from the Packers because the Cowboys have had two back-to-back -back franchise quarterbacks, but the way that they got them is completely different. It wasn't like this proactive strategy to find the next QB and the next big thing by drafting guys in the first round. One of them you signed undrafted free agency and the other one you got in the fourth round after trying to trade up for Paxton Lynch in the 2016 NFL draft, which is crazy to think about. Uh, but anyways, you mentioned trade Lance and I, and this is something that I wanted to bring up with you specifically because I feel like, and I also talked about this a little bit last night, but I feel like, from our perspective, people who are outside the building and not really there knowing what is going on, we saw Trey Lance struggle to read a preseason defense when he was with the San Francisco 49ers. And we know about the talent. We know about him being a top three draft pick. We know about his potential in that way. But we really don't know everything that's going on in between those periods of time, right? How do you perceive the whole Trey Lance experiment is going in Dallas? Is there some hope there for him to be turned into something? Because they did pay a fourth round draft pick to get him. I'm not saying that's, 
you know, paying a very high price for somebody who was once the third overall pick. But is there something there that you could see being a part of the Cowboys' future in the long term? Because it's also a situation where, hey, that deal is not like he's on his on the first year of his rookie deal, right? He was drafted in 2021. So it's it's kind of a weird situation. And I was wondering if you had any like insight that you could provide us because uh, it, it it's really to a point where we're just guessing from the outside. Yeah, no, I, you bring up a good point, too. I mean, they got to pick up the side on his fifth year option this year, which is, you know, hey, that's you got to make a decision. Did you already see enough, you know, in the year that you got him? And I thought you brought up another really good point, Mauricio. A fourth round pick isn't nothing. And I know we're talking about a guy that the 49ers have previously traded three first round picks for, right, to have the chance to get. But after what happened in San Francisco, after he was kind of relegated to a pretty permanent third string appeal there, and, you know, fourth rounder, I think the 49ers are probably happy to get that ultimately. So that's not a nothing pick. Um, and I think the thing about Trey Lance that kind of people need to remember, this is a guy that hasn't played very much, like ever. Like, you know, he he was originally recruited D1 as a safety at a small town in Minnesota. Then he goes to North, uh, North Dakota State. He backs up uh, Easton Stick for a little bit. He gets really one true season as a starter. And then he has one COVID couple games during the COVID season and then you know goes to the 49ers has to sit the entire first year plays a little bit then gets breaks his ankle and long story short I I don't know the exact snap numbers this is a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience so it kind of is a great unknown with Trey Lance and I think this last year that's something that the Cowboys coaches have really rigorously tried to kind of identify where does this guy stand and obviously want to get prepared to be the emergency third quarterback just in case but what is this guy's potential here? Is there something here? And I, I think it's almost been like a side plot Marvel storyline, right? Where it's like, hey, you kind of see yeah. little inklings and seeds of like, oh, hey, there's that Trey Lance and there's that light big potential, that big potential for a superpower. But then you got to wonder, is this Marvel storyline going to be just a flash in the pan that you kind of see once and then never see again? Or is this going to be someone that's going to be in the MCU for a while? And ultimately, I think it's the great unknown. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot. Of to, to really put stock in with Trey Lance right now. And that's just because we haven't seen much of him, you know, and I, the Cowboys haven't seen much of him in a game type situation. I don't think you could have come up with a better analogy than the Marvel MCU thing or, or, or a standalone movie. Uh, that, that's interesting for sure. Uh, and I agree, man. Like I did like that. They never tried to rush him into a backup situation. Not even when we were not even when the Cowboys were like blowing out everybody that, uh, that stood in their way and people were like, well, maybe in this game you could make him the the active QB and have Cooper Rush be inactive. But they didn't do any of that. They didn't buy into any of that. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool to, or, or not pretty cool, but like a pretty mature way of going about the whole thing. But it did leave me wondering a little bit as to what they see in him. And obviously with McCarthy being known as the quarterback's cool type guy that will teach these guys how to play the position. I think 2024 offseason, the 2024 offseason will be huge. But the thing is, you just said it, like the fifth-year option, that that has to happen in May, right? Like it's right after the NFL draft, which is a problem with it. Yeah, no, no doubt. And <clears throat> excuse me, one thing I didn't really mention too, part of the process with Trey Lance is he is the first one out on the field before every pregame. Him and Scott Tolzien mm-hmm. are out there and they're running a full-on script of, of pass plays 
every single game, trying to kind of get associated with it and 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 kind of get you know more insight into what a game type situation might be. So if anyone knows about Trey Lance's potential, it's definitely Scott Tolzien and the Cowboys. But there still is that unknown there, and they, to your point, they got to make decisions soon on that. Yeah, uh, Bruce says, did he just call Trey Lance Chang Chi <laughs> with the Marvel <laughs> stuff? Says Bruce. Shout out to Bruce, by the way. Shout out to everybody who is joining uh, the chat right now. Last few thoughts on the whole Dak Prescott thing. And you just said, like, you know, they got to make decisions soon. The Dak Prescott timetables are very interesting to me. Because if you do decide, if you do decide to extend Dak Prescott this offseason, and Jason Fitzgerald made this argument in his article, like, you should do it in February because you, you should have, like, all of that cap resource available to you for March in free agency. But then there's also the thing, too, if you don't extend Dak Prescott by then and you want to go through the whole 2024 all-in type thing that we don't believe it's going to happen, but if you do want to take that route, then you better draft somebody in the first or second round at a quarterback, not like a developmental guy in the fourth round. No, first or second round, you've got to grab that signal caller. So I think the the way that the dominoes fall and, and the order that they do fall will tell us a lot about uh, what a Cowboys plan is at quarterback. Yeah, and not only at quarterback, to start to kind of hijack this point a little bit, but everywhere. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, hey, if like I said, if you sign John, Jordan Lewis, you're probably not signing Stephon Gilmore. You're saying, all right, Deron Bland is our permanent out there with Trayvon. And I know we still have to kind of see what Trayvon does from a recovery standpoint because we saw a couple guys this season that took a while to get going and Terrence Steele, Tony Pollard, you know, post-injury. But I think the next couple months for the Cowboys is extremely fascinating. There are a lot of dominoes to fall across the board. And I think it comes back to the overall, what is the vision for this team to go all in in 2024? You know, Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones sat down for three hours the other day and they talked and, and Mike really was adamant that this was not like a job interview, to, you know, to a fight to save my coaching career here in Dallas. It was a conversation and kind of digging into the root of what happened in the playoffs. But you got to you got to think that they talked. OK, well, what is the plan this year? What is the next step we're going? And clearly Mike said, hey, Dak is the guy. He's he's our dude. Let's run with him. Um, and I still expect that to be the case. But overall, there are a lot of dominoes to fall. The big one was whether or not to bring Mike McCarthy back. You did wait for Dan Quinn now. And by bringing Mike McCarthy back, there is a lot of there's got to be a lot of internal belief that, hey, you guys are close to doing it. You just kind of have to do it. And it's going to be a big, big 2024 season for for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, before I let you go, Joseph, one thought that popped into my mind and now I got to ask you, do you think that if you're Mike McCarthy and you're having that three hour meeting with Jerry Jones, do you think that a conversation has no Jerryisms in it, or do you think it's filled with Jerryisms from start to finish, and he's just saying weird stuff throughout the entire meeting? <laughs> what so, do you think the over/under in Jerryisms is for a for a three-hour-long meeting? So I think it's high, but I think we also have to turn the page or turn the spotlight on Mike McCarthy a little bit because we talked about with Dak that they meet every single Thursday and they have thirty minutes of football conversations and ninety minutes of just life conversations, and Dak was adamant that Mike is the one. That is the talker, something that we don't really see on the press conference <laughs> in the podium. So part of me wonders, hey, was this just Jerryisms and McCarthyisms back and forth in a, in a dueling battle uh, for three hours? And, you know, eventually they kind of came to a, a, a right end. But, you know, I, I'm sure it was filled with a bunch. 
we, we got to get that recording and put it on YouTube and it will do uh, more views in the Cat Williams interview for sure. <laughs> uh, but anyways, Joseph Hoyt, thank you for joining the show, man. I appreciate your time. It really uh, meant a lot for me that you uh, came on the show and talked some Cowboys football with us. Appreciate you. We can read you on Texas Lone Star Live, but let us know where else can people follow you and, and, and you know, uh, consume your content, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe J. Hoyt on Twitter is, is the best avenue for me. Um, uh, you know, at LoneStarLive.com um, is uh, where we're at. And, uh, you know, we're, we're still kind of a new outlet. Uh, I used to work at the Dallas Morning News for a long time. So kind of going from that to a startup, you know, we're building the audience. And uh, Mauricio, thank you so much for having me on because things like this really help a ton. And you do a great job, man. And I really appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for tuning into the show. Remember to hit the like button and I will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Same time as always. Hit the like button for me and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye.